Are, are you started? I assume. Yeah, I'm just trying to like compose myself again so I don't look like a dork. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> Thank you for your strong vote of confidence this morning. <laughs> I have a lot of confidence in what I just said. <laughs> Welcome to Listen Up, the Bishop Bible Podcast. We're going to be going chronologically through the entire Bible eventually, very eventually. So it's going to take a long time, but we're going to do it. So where we're starting is in the Gospels, um, just because that's something that people are pretty familiar with. It's a lot easier to jump into. We're going to go ahead and get started in John chapter 1. We're going to go through verses 1 through 18. And then we'll move on to Luke and other places. So we're going to be jumping all around. So you're going to want to make sure that you keep listening and join us so you don't get lost along the way. Yes, you should introduce yourself because nobody knows who we are. Nobody knows who we are? What a shocker. Nobody knows who I mean, like, besides our, like, well, I've got, like, 600-something friends sure. on Facebook. Oh gosh, so stop. that's a lot. Our moms will definitely <laughs> listen to this. They'll be very proud of us. Yeah, they will. So I'm Samuel Bisher. This is my wife, Jessica Bisher. We got married a little bit less than nine months ago, so I am me. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, you want to know those kinds of yeah, things? Yeah, just introduce yourself. You're so, a little personable. I am, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. What do you do for work? Besides telling bad dad jokes, what I do, so for work, I work for some YouTubers, um, JStu Studios, and they basically make vlogs and prank videos and budget challenges and all kinds of things. So I am back, basically their background guy. Nobody sees me, nobody knows about me except for them. And they, yeah, make videos and I help them with that. So, That's true. Mm-hmm. I'm Jessica. I'm a nurse. I'm drinking out of a Llama Christmas coffee mug because it's May 3rd, but it's snowing outside and I'm really irritated about it. Is it is snowing outside. I'm very sad about so. that. So I'm just, <laughs> I, I live off of coffee and it's not healthy, but I do it. But I eat occasional vegetables, so that's pretty good too. Yeah, so leave a like if you like coffee, and if you don't like coffee, like I don't like coffee, then leave a like anyway, so. I don't understand. That's something we should have talked about in our counseling before we got married. I mean, we tried, but yeah. we didn't really succeed yeah. in hashing that one out. That's true. So, you should also leave a comment about if you're a tea person or a coffee person. I'd be curious to know who's who out there. Because I think it's a lot more of a 50-50 split than people realize. No. <laughs> it's not. Yes, I think it is. I think it's just you don't see a lot of tea shops. So everyone that goes to the coffee shop. That is true. Time. Tea shops are pretty cool. They are. They are pretty cool. So we should get started, actually. Yes. <laughs> so now you know a little bit about us. If you're still watching, congratulations, <laughs> you win a prize. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So, this is kind of the beginning, which is the reason that we're starting here as we're going chronologically through the Bible. This is one of those passages that mirrors Genesis 1-1 almost exactly, because in Genesis 1-1 you've got, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. And this is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's not an accident. That is very intentional of John to tie that thought together. Because really, I think one of the things about Christianity that's so, um, so unique in a lot of ways, and something that really is evidence that it is trustworthy and that it is correct is that it is something that goes back all the way to the beginning. If God actually created the world and he actually wanted to interact with his creation, he would have done so from the beginning. From the day that he created things all the way through until now, he would be interacting with the world. This idea of the watchmaker that, you know, he just goes, he makes a watch, sets it, starts it, and then leaves it and walks away is one that like is pretty popular but i don't think that you would end up having like a consistent religious theme out of a god that has that character in nature because that's a god that doesn't want to be known all he wants to do is start things and then leave so you'd have a god that was creative but you probably don't have a god that's all-powerful and so god from the very beginning in the beginning he's been interacting with the world he's been influencing the world and he has been essentially setting the stage for salvation mm -hmm. and that's really key because we are sinful we're fallen like that's just the fact of the situation and it doesn't take a lot of observation to realize that that's the case we've had human history for you know anywhere from six thousand to ten thousand years it depending on what uh, you believe about carbon dating and other things like that even longer and never has there been a perfect society mm -hmm. we have never ever succeeded in that and you would think with all of this time somebody somewhere would have been able to make a perfect society the concept of the noble savage is one that's been totally disproven like there is no primitive people group that functions in perfect harmony and unity anywhere. I've never even heard of the noble savage before. <laughs> okay, so the noble savage is this concept um, that basically like religion, technology, society, these things are the enemy. They're the reason that we have all of the pain that we have, that we have the wars that we have. Essentially, it's this clash over ideologies. And to go back to the primitive state, when we didn't have any of those things, when we hadn't built them around ourselves artificially to make ourselves feel better, to try to explain the universe, we were essentially like in a perfect state. Like nobody got into fights before that point? Yeah. Like and, nobody's opened a history book ever? <laughs> <laughs> right. It kind of comes from that idea of Western society destroyed everything because when Western society came in contact with these peaceful, noble tribes, they destroyed everything and like there is some truth in that like western society hasn't done a great job of integrating with native people groups no that's ever. true so like the the instances of that going semi-well are pretty small like i think the fact that there have been cases where it wasn't just outright genocide 
is pretty remarkable given the totality of human history because usually what happens when you have a people group invading is that they go through and they completely wipe out the the original people and that's like a recent change kind of thing like and it's not even changed that much i mean look at what happened with turkey and the armenian genocide like they went through and tried to completely cleanse the world of armenia i guess the difference is now people view that as a problem and Mm. back in history they did not that was just a necessary course of action of like oh you're the winner Well, I mean, the people receiving it always thought it was a problem. Well, yes. Right? So, like... <laughs> that does make I don't, sense. I don't know that it's been something that's been... But, like, worldwide and all, it was, like, an accepted it's, it's fact. It's more like, accepted. if you were the winner, you didn't... You weren't like, oh, I have some qualms about this in my heart. Like, mm-hmm. it was just what you did. Yeah. Long story short, people have never been perfect. Ever. And that has not changed. History proves that it hasn't changed. We have so many document, so much documentation on it not changing. Mm-hmm. Where we live, like we live in the United States, so where we live is one of the most peaceful places in history. Because you look at even what's happening in Burma right now, the genocide that's taking place there, you look at what's happening in Hong Kong with everything that the Chinese are doing where they're just killing citizens in the street. And Not sponsored by China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not sponsored by China. And those things are just... The norm you know it's what people have had to grow up with it's what they like understand to be true and the fact that we don't have a government that's coming through and trying to kill everyone yet is pretty remarkable and mm-hmm. i think that's a testimony of how we were founded and, and what we were built on and as we get away from that base then it opens up the door for all kinds of things because humans are naturally evil they're mm-hmm. bent and that's the reason why it's called the fall is because in the beginning god created everything great but he still gave us free will because he wanted to interact with us in a real way and have a real relationship with us and he knew that we were going to fall and he still loved us enough to make us anyway which is a real mystery from that standpoint because man like if i if i knew somebody was going to bring this much pain into existence i know i would have hesitations over bringing them into it existence regardless of how much I may or may not love them because of the consequences of it right Mm -hmm. but God loved us so much that he not only created us he made the way for us to be redeemed Mm -hmm. to be brought back from that state of fallen depravity and it was the most costly thing it was through the death of his son through shedding of divine blood because that's the only thing that can satisfy the debt that we have because of sin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Or overcome it, depending on what your translation says. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Why is all of that important? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting question <laughs> Well, it's like the foundation of everything. Like, Jesus being the foundation of all of 
like everything that happened to him being there at the beginning of creation. The Trinity aspect of the Godhead is really important in everything else that we believe and in actually having the sacrifice of Jesus matter and having him be the Messiah, not just a prophet who died. Yeah. Like if he was just a prophet, then he was like any of the other prophets that were killed during their time. Albeit sad, it wasn't like earth shattering or world changing. Yeah, it wasn't that <clears throat> untypical from human history, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like all of the prophets, were good. but like, I mean, some of them lived. Yeah, that's true. To the end, yeah. if Jesus is also God, then that changes what that sacrifice means for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because then it's a sacrifice that goes beyond just what one person can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that's really important is that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. When you look down in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So the word became flesh. And we're going to see as we study through the gospels, when the word became flesh, he became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is a mystery. How did, how did God come and become fixed, essentially, in one location in time? And this is something that's important to notice, too, is that God is a compound unity. And so you have, in this passage, you have, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you have this description of a compound unity. You have the person, the word, and you have a person, two individuals, yet they're a compound unity. And we know from scripture that the Holy Spirit is also a person of that God compound. And this is where we get the doctrine of the Trinity from. You have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All of them are God in essence, but in person, they're unique. It's one of those things that's really hard to describe in human terms and to even comprehend in human terms mm -hmm. because it is something that is not typical of our existence. We just don't see compound unities. A way to visualize it is the clover. So you have a three-leaf clover, you have a different petal for each of those parts of the clover. But in essence, it's one clover, yet there are three distinct persons and or parts to it. Or like with a triangle, you've got three points. And if it's a triangle where each of those angles is equal, the distances are equal and all of that different kind of stuff. And that's how the Godhood works. Like each person is equal in power and in authority, but they have different roles and they operate in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so the father really seems to be the one that directs all things. The son is the one that seems to be the, the means. So through Jesus, all things were created. The Holy Spirit seems to be the energizer of those things, which is where you get like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the surface of the deep. What it's talking about in the Hebrew with the hovering aspect is he was energizing all of creation. So you have them all working in perfect harmony and unity, but each of them is different. When Jesus became a person, when he took that on, it's not like then we had an absence of God. 
because still the Father and the Holy Spirit were operating in the fullness of their Godhead. But it seems like for that period of time, Jesus veiled himself. He limited certain aspects of his divinity while he was on earth for the first time. Which is crazy that like what we're taught is like God is capable of doing all things. But like it is very strange that he is capable of doing that, that he's capable of like condensing his power into something that is limited. Mm -hmm. Like that is that's kind of an odd concept. It really is. The reason that he did it ultimately comes down to it was necessary. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things about God that is so great, but something that a lot of people dislike in our age, is that God is just. So he does things always in the right way. He does everything that he does with the correct purpose and to accomplish the correct goal. And so even with this, the fact that he became flesh is for that just purpose and reason. Because it wasn't possible for him to just snap his fingers and sin is gone. Mm -hmm. Because he's just. So it's kind of an interesting thing, like you're talking about, like, all things are possible for God. And that is true. All things are possible for him that are according to his character and nature. He's never going to sin, for example. Mm -hmm. And so it would just be a violation of his character and his nature for him to do that. And in the same way, like, since he is just, he can't just abolish sin and say, okay, we're going to pretend like this never happened. There has to be a just payment for sin. Mm -hmm. So what he decided to do was pay it himself because we didn't have the capacity to. And this is one thing that gets difficult to understand sometimes because when we lie or when we steal or when we cheat, we think about it as just such a small thing. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I'm, it was only a white lie. Like, why does that matter so mm -hmm. much? And we don't understand the gravity of what we do because we don't feel the full weight of the consequences of what we do. Mm -hmm. So when you tell a white lie, I mean, what you're doing is you're deceiving somebody else, right? And that affects their person. It affects their life. It can affect their decision-making processes. It can have a really big impact and a really wide trickle out. And they get a wrong perception of who you are and so many other things happen. But it feels very minuscule until that lie ends up costing somebody their life. And then it's like, oh my gosh, that was a really bad lie because look at how severe the consequences are, right? Mm -hmm. And this is one thing that we don't see very much because of just our limitations is that when we sin, even with that lie, what we're doing is we're sinning against somebody that is created with intrinsic worth and value because they were created in the image of God. And so we've violated an image of God bearer with what we've done. So there's a level of severity to that that we don't recognize because we really don't treat people the way that they should be treated. We don't really act like every person has the same intrinsic worth and value and that that intrinsic worth and value is indescribably high because they were created in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. Like every single person is so precious, so precious because they're an image bearer of God. And then on the other side of the coin, so you have the human side, the penalty that comes because of the violation that was done to an image bearer of God. You have the violation that was done to the image bearer himself. Because when we sin, it is breaking God's law 
It is disobeying him. It's rebelling against him. It is a plethora of things against God directly, too. Mm -hmm. And so when you sin, you are sinning against yourself or you're sinning against another person. And you're also sinning against God himself. That essentially makes a case of crime so long that it's impossible to pay off. Part of the reason that it's impossible to pay off is because you have committed a crime against an infinite being when you sin against God. So the offense that was done is in an infinite nature. And with humans, the crime that you, done, that you did is against an image bearer of God, and that has a huge weight of consequence too. So one person, a finite person, can never pay off that weight of sin, that sin debt doesn't matter how much time they put in prison, doesn't matter how many community service things they've done, they will never be able to pay it off. Mm -hmm. But that's what human religions talk about is you are going to have to work, 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 and balance out the good things that you've done with the bad things that you've done and try to hit this perfect point of karma where you're going to be acceptable. Yeah, which I feel like if any if anybody's really honest with themselves, nobody unless you're like super narcissistic, really feels like that, like that's possible. Like yeah. you're capable of doing that. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe people do. And I think it's usually not because they are doing so many good things, but because they're minimizing the degree of, of, the, bad things. of the consequences of sin. Mm -hmm. Because if all I have to do is like make up the little bit of like pain that I caused by my lie to balance myself out, then that's not too hard, depending on to what extent I lied and the, the amount of damage that it did. Mm -hmm. But if you see it in the context of what it actually is, that you have violated an image bearer of God, and that you have committed an offense against God Almighty, now try to make that up. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to have to do so much more in your mind before you can even start to justify that. Yeah. Right? Like, you would have to do so many things for that person. You'd have to bring so many things to God. And that's what religion is, like I was saying, is it's that checklist of things that people have set up of, you did X, therefore you have to do Y to satisfy the situation. Whatever it is. That usually involves doing a confession or bringing offerings or, you know, doing so many good things, like whatever you've got to do in order to get yourself back into favor with God. And you usually have to go to the other person and try to, like, confess or do whatever. But then even it splits it out into different people, different categories, all this kind of stuff. Because if you sin against somebody that is against God according to your system of religion, you're usually doing the right thing, right? Like, oh, you killed that person. Great job. There's somebody that's an enemy. Therefore, you were in the right for doing that. And I think that's one thing that's unique about Christianity, too, is because we recognize that everyone is an image bearer of God. Even our enemies, we love them and we pray for them and we bless them. Because it's not about using force to subdue and coax people into our belief. It is using love to call them as ambassadors from the darkness into the light. Mm -hmm. Because if we end up killing somebody and we didn't save their soul, 
that person's lost forever. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you have to prevent people from doing evil. Like, I'm not a pacifist. I do believe that wars can be just. I don't think they are very often, but I think that they can be just, that there is a reason to defend yourself, that ultimately somebody can forfeit their right to life, and therefore you are correct in self-defense or whatever it is that you need to do. But my point is, we don't indoctrinate people in a way where it's it's either us or the sword, right? We very much so try to reach out to them. We let people make their own choices. We do all of these other kinds of things. And in some ways that, that has led us to catastrophe because we haven't tried very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, like we recognize it's every person's choice. And so we've been really lazy about it at times. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, it's their choice. They can do what they want. Like, I'm not going to push my religion onto them. Blah, blah, blah. There's definitely truth in not pushing your religion on somebody. But think about what Paul said. He said, by all means that I might save some. So he went out, he preached the gospel, he worked to sustain himself so that he wouldn't be a burden to the people that he was preaching to, all for the sake of saving some. Mm-hmm. We got to recognize not everyone's going to be saved, mm-hmm. but the extent that we're willing to go, what is it? Are we even willing to invite people into our home and be inconvenienced in those ways? Mm-hmm. That's that's not very far, right? But that's the difference in like pushing your religion on somebody and crying out to them Mm -hmm. that they would come. There is a intensity to crying out to somebody that they would come. Mm -hmm. And there's just often, so often it's just about being right when you're trying to push your religion onto somebody else. So God came down fully man, fully God. Therefore he was able to rightly pay for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Because he was one of us, he was able to stand in our place. And because he was fully God, he was able to pay for all sin, past, present, and future because he is infinite Mm -hmm. and not finite. So, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So we'll talk more about this next time. So are we going to continue to go through John specifically after this? So what we're going to do after this is we're going to go into verses 6 through 13, 14 through 18, and then we're going to jump over into Luke. Perfect. All right. Well, don't forget to like and subscribe if you enjoyed our talk. I don't know if people can like podcasts. Well, I mean... We can cut that part out for the (laughs) podcast people. (laughs) We're going to be trying to post on all the different um, podcast channels as well as doing a video podcast on YouTube. We don't know what we're doing mostly. Mostly I mean, we don't know. We have an idea though. We have an idea. See you guys next time. See ya.